All right, good morning. That was a little week. It's good to be with you today. It's been a few days since I've been with you. It's not that I'm laying out of church. Uh, I've been all over the place, but uh, Matthew is on vacation this week. And we did not tell you because we knew you wouldn't show up. You knew I was preaching, okay? So some of you didn't get the word, so you showed up, all right? We're going to be in Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. We're going to talk about Zacchaeus, Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, and we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. I think I put on the PowerPoint uh, the nobody, and uh, Zacchaeus was seen a little bit as a nobody that Jesus inked until he encountered Jesus. Luke's Gospel, the first ten verses, if you're able to stand, won't you stand with me? as we read that and honor God's Word. He, talking about Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd for he was small in statue. So he ran ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry or make haste. Come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to, the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Look at verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Father, as we look at Zacchaeus' life, God, allow it to bounce off the page of your holy word and into our hearts, into our souls, to convict who we are and what we need to do. Maybe this morning we feel like a nobody. We feel so like Zacchaeus. And we're struggling. So God, speak to us. Remind us we all are nobodies without Jesus. Allow me to recall what I need to recall and forget what I need to forget so that we'll hear a message from you. And God, in a few minutes as we give an invitation, allow us to respond properly to that invitation as you speak to us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. We often think, sing that little children's song. What, what is it? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a... Okay, I'll some of that song here. We'll sing the rest of the day. Okay. And we talk about Zacchaeus and that he was a wee little man. Zacchaeus, there was a lot of animosity towards Zacchaeus and it wasn't because he was a, a, a wee little man. I read a sign that said uh, on front of this business that said, Close, short of help. And somebody came along and wrote under that sign said, Hire taller help, I need a taco. It, it wasn't because he was short, 
because they had animosity towards him. It was, it was because he was rich, and it wasn't necessarily because he was rich, but it was the way he got his money. Nothing wrong with being rich, uh, but it was the way he got his money, and uh, he was a corrupt tax collector. Now, I want to look at this, this text a little bit different than, than I normally would. I want to look at it as, I want to think through Zacchaeus' eyes of who he was, as as uh, as he it's the people saw him and as the crowd saw him and the people around him saw him, and maybe he saw himself. And then secondly, I want to look at the text of how he viewed God seeing him when God came on the scene. So I want to set it up with how you know he kind of sees himself and the crowd sees him. So first of all, we see look at verse two here at what it says. Zach, uh, excuse me. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was despised. He was a tax collector. Now, you've got to understand the day and age that you live in in the context and the setting of what's going on. A tax collector at this time was despised. And if he walked down the street, everybody would turn their back to him. They wouldn't even look at him. The Pharisees even thought he could not be saved. He had no friends. Uh, nobody asked him, called him up and said, how's your mother doing? How's your wife doing? He had no friends on Facebook, Twitter. He just had no friends. They despised him. They, they, didn't, they didn't like him because he was a, he was a tax collector. So, collector, so he, he was despised. He was, he was a nobody. He was never invited to weddings. He was never... Invited to parties, he was he was just despised, and nobody had wanted nothing anything to do with him. He was nobody. Secondly, he was dishonest. It says he was a tax collector. Matter of fact, it says he was a chief tax collector. Now, what was a tax collector? The tax collector at this time was a Jew. You see, the Romans had control of Jerusalem, and they did not want to send their people in there to strong arm Jerusalem. And so what they did is they went to these areas and they found these, these traitors. It was a person that would be a traitor to their nation. And that traitor would go in and collect taxes. And what he would do is he'd buy a set of, of, of partials from, from Rome and he would go in and he would collect. So he may have paid $85 taxes and he'd go in and collect $150. Or he may go in and collect $200. And then he'd send the rest to Rome. But not only that, it says he was a chief tax collector. Not only was he giving his percentage of what he did, he had other men working under him, and he would send them out, and whatever they got, he got a percentage of it. And that's the way he got rich. He was dishonest. He was a traitor to his nation. And that's the reason they despised him, and they did not you know, want to be around him. Thirdly, he was disdained. Look at verse 7. Uh, verse 7 says this. What did he do? Uh, he, he went home with, uh, with Zacchaeus. Uh, and he says, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he was going to be the guest of a sinner. They were bitter at him. Janet and I were at a restaurant recently, and uh, the, the server, she was a, a cute little girl and kind of flirtatious, you know, so... You know, I thought, 
been working on my abs, you know, Kevin and I. And, and, and so I, she was kind of flirtatious. And, and uh, when she walked away, Janet said, she must have COVID. And I said, have COVID? Why do you think she has COVID? said, because she has no taste at all. They had no taste at all for, for Zacchaeus. He, he was despised. They didn't like it because Jesus went to his house. They, they did not like it at all. They called him a sinner. He was disdained. They, they, didn't, they didn't want to be around him. Now listen, this is a side lesson here. Jesus don't care who you are and how religious you are. He'll go around that religion to get to whoever you are and wherever you're at. And he went to Zacchaeus' house. Something else about that that hit me is that Jesus comes wherever we are. He meets us where we're at. You may feel like a nobody. You may have no taste. But Jesus still comes to you and comes to where you're at even though he's this thing. But listen to this one. It gets better. He was desperate. He was desperate. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how, but some way he'd heard about Jesus. It doesn't tell us when, but some way he heard about Jesus. The Bible tells us he was a short man. It also indicates that he was short mortal. And he heard something about Jesus, and, and he wanted to see this man named Jesus. It doesn't tell us what he's heard. And often we don't understand these things, but it doesn't tell us what he's heard. But it said that he wanted to see Jesus. He was desperate to see Jesus. But he said the crowd, the King James Version said the crowd pressed him. Here it says the crowd was large. And I could just, I could just imagine this little short man trying to see Jesus. Can't you? Just jumping up and down trying to see Jesus. And he couldn't see Jesus at all. He, he, he was desperate. He, he wanted to get to Jesus. He, he wanted to see, him, see Jesus for himself. And actually, he wanted Jesus to see him. He, he probably didn't understand something that was, was, that was going on in his heart, but he wanted to see Jesus. And he does two remarkable things. The first thing he does, he runs down the street, runs down the road. Now, in this culture, grown men didn't run. Now, you don't see too many grown men running today unless they're jogging. If you see me running, you better run. And you better hope you can outrun me. Because there's something after us. But grown men don't run in this age. And, and, and he's running. It's real unusual. The second thing you see that's a real unusual, you see him climbing up in a tree. A sycamore tree. I tried to figure out the significance of the sycamore tree, and I figured it out. It was a sycamore tree. But he climbed up in a sycamore tree. He got up in a sycamore tree. Do you see, now when they go deer hunting, they climb up trees. But do you see grown men just going out climbing up trees? We don't see it. Have you ever come up Poplar Spring Road and seen Stan Bell up in a tree drinking an RC and eating a moon pie? You know? We don't see grown men climb up trees. He was desperate. He, he wanted to see Jesus. Something was going on in his heart. He didn't understand it. And he did everything he could to get to Jesus. And we let everything get in our way to get to Jesus. 
that worldly possessions, thought of mine, all kind of sins. But he didn't let anything. He, he ran the street and he, and he got up and he, and, and he was like a little child. Look at me, look at me. Nothing was too trivial to him to get to Jesus. Ecclesiastes 3.10 says the Bible, the Bible says there, God has set eternity in our heart. In other words, it says we have a desire to see Jesus. And we're feeling that desire with a lot of things besides Jesus. He was desperate. How long has it been since you've been desperate? How long has it been since you've been so broken you've been desperate to get to Jesus? Now, so he has this encounter with Jesus, and, and it made me think, what, what was his thoughts? What, what did, what did he, how did he see God as he encountered Jesus here? And I want to give you five or six things here. Right out of the text. Go to verse 5. We're going to spend a good part of, a, a good moment here in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, and he's talking about the place where Zacchaeus was, the tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Herbie, come down. For today I must stay at your house. Here Zacchaeus, this nobody, was in this tree, and along comes Jesus, and he encounters him. So what, what is Zacchaeus' thought? And, and how can this help us? Well, first of all, Zacchaeus had to think, God sees me. God sees me. Genesis 16, 13. She gave his name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, I have seen the one who sees me. Jesus is aware of you. Jesus is aware of you. I took one of our DR trailers to Oakwood Tire recently and uh, to have tires put on it and have it serviced. And uh, where, they, where they had to have me to put it was, it was, it was a hard place to get it in there. But I got it in there and dropped it. They called me back and said it was ready. And there was a bunch of cars behind it where they, where they had me put it. And I'm thinking, oh, those cars are gone. Well, my prayer was answered. Those cars were gone. But there was a church bus behind it. And it said, First Christian, Christian Church of so-and-so. So when I got hooked to it, I had to stretch out to back between the, the, the bus sitting here and a bunch of cars sitting over here, and there was just enough room that, to get to, to go, go through the space there. And the bus driver of this first Christian, Christian so-and-so church was sitting on the hood of a car over here, never saw me, never was aware of me. And when I got it stressed out, I was going to have to back into Atlanta Highway. I call it Atlanta Highway. I don't know what y'all call it. But I've seen some of you drive on Atlanta Highway, and I went about to back out Atlanta Highway. So I had to pull in front of the store and jackknife it back to where I come. And it was just room enough, just room enough to get it in there. And this dude's still sitting on the hood of the car. Never saw me. Never was aware of me. Even Christians don't see you sometimes when you need help. But Jesus sees you. I may walk beside around you or right at you and not be aware that something's going on in your life. But Jesus sees you. 
Jesus knows what limb you're out on. Jesus knows what tree you're up in. Jesus sees the unseen. Jesus sees things you've never seen. Jesus sees tomorrow. Jesus sees next week. Jesus sees it. Like he said, Jesus sees me. He sees us. God sees me. God sees me. And then it said, not only did he look up, what did it say? It said, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, not only does he see this nobody, but he knows me. Think about that. God, Jesus knows me. You see, I already said it. The world doesn't care, but Jesus cares and sees you. Last year after the Southern Baptist Convention, excuse me, year before last year after the Southern Baptist Convention, we were, it was in California, and Janet and I had never been to California. And at the end of it, we rented a car and went up north California. That was an experience I'll tell you about sometime. But we were going up I-5, eight lanes of traffic. An 18-wheeler cut across in front of eight lanes of traffic. Was, never saw us, was never aware of us, never knew we were there. Now, a couple things happened. That rental car had two dents in it where Janet put her feet in the floorboard. And then Janet no longer had to go to the restroom. I didn't have to stop. <laughs> she was not aware. Look, does it say that Jesus said, Hey, Peter, who's this dude in this tree? What's his name? No. He looks up and he says, There's nobody. Zacchaeus. He knows your name. Matter of fact, he knows how many hair is on your head. For some of us, real easy. That kid's come down. He knows you. He knows your troubles. He knows your trials. He knows your heartaches. He knows your when you're happy. He makes eye contact with you. And when he makes eye contact with you, it takes the fear away. He knows your discouragements. He knows your delights. He knows your troubles, trials. He knows your disappointments, joys. He knows your contentment, sorrows. He knows when you grieve. He knows when you have pain. He knows when you hurt. He knows your plans, your goals. He knows your thoughts. And by the way, He knows your sins. Zacchaeus, He knew Him. Then look what He says. In verse 5 again. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus, come down. This nobody. Come down to this nobody. Come down. Zacchaeus had to think, God wants me. Come down. Come down. Come down here. Isaiah 118. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins as, as scarlet, they are, should be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they should be like wool. A favorite word in Scripture for Jesus is to come. Come down. Children are to come. Older folks are to come. Middle-aged folks are to come. Everybody's supposed to come. And Jesus calls us to come. I thought about that. It doesn't necessarily mean that He needs you, but it means that He wants you. He's self-sufficient. 
He, he wants you. He, he wants to use you. Look, I might want a new car, but I, I don't have the money to pay the price. Jesus paid the price. He paid it on the cross. And He has a desire for us. He wants us. God wants me. God wants me. As you go out here today, remember that God wants me. Remember, God knows you. And He wants me, even though you feel like a nobody. And then, another thing He does, not only does He want me, but God loves me. Look at verse 5 again. He says, for today I must stay at your house. Stay at your house. He loved us so much, He went to His house. He was the one that first loved us. Now, think about that. God could have done a lot of things. God could have sent us, I mean, of course, He sent us this book. But God could have sent us a book. God, God could have sent us a movie. God could have sent us a lot of things. But what did He do? He sent us Jesus to love us. And, and He first loved us on the cross. He died for us. And we sing about that. We say, Jesus loves me, this I know. Listen, there's no greater fact today than that God loves you. And that God loves me. He knows where I'm at. He knows what's going on. And, and, and we've played with that word love so much. I love you until I don't feel like loving you. What does that mean? If you go by feelings, you are in deep trouble. If you define love that way. Jesus loves us. Zacchaeus had to think, God loves me. God loves me, right? As he looked at me, he, he loves me. And, and his love remains the same forever. It never goes away. So Zacchaeus has this encounter. Now go on down to verse 9. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, you know, verse 6 and 7. And, and I'll come back maybe say about 8. But go down to verse 9. Because as I was, uh, as I was looking this through and thinking it through, the first time I outlined it, I left one thing off, and I want, to, I want to make sure I cover it. Verse 9, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. So, so listen to what it says. <coughs> For the Son of Man has come to what? Seek and save the lost. Think about that. Zacchaeus had this encounter and he had to think, God seeks me. Now, th there is a big debate out there today if you keep up with anything in theological circles about God, who, if Christ seek, if God seeks first or if you seek God first. That's a different sermon. Maybe it's that God puts it in your heart to seek Him Ever how you want to look at it, but God seeks me. And God seeks you. God comes looking for you. Notice what He does. He crosses every racial line. He crosses every culture. He crosses every status. He crosses any barrier there. He was short. And He crossed that physical condition. And He comes to Zacchaeus. He moves towards us. And he gives us the 
capability and the capacity to seek Him. I read about Pandy. I don't know if you've heard about Pandy. Pandy was a, a little girl was, was, was born and they got her a little doll and the doll was named Pandy. And uh, a couple years later her little brother was born and everywhere this little girl went she took Pandy. Everywhere, everywhere. For years. Pandy was all beat up. All just all beat up and, 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 and just didn't look good. And so they went on vacation and they left from the motel, started home. They got about two hours down the road and guess who was missing? Pandy. So they turned the car around. They go back to the hotel. They go up to the room where they'd stayed. They go all under the bed, all over looking for Pandy. They didn't find Pandy there. So they run downstairs and ask the girl in the counter, at the counter, said, anybody turn in Pandy? And Pandy wasn't there. So they go on downstairs where they're doing all the cleaning, all the sheets and stuff. And they start going through towels and sheets. And no joke, they find this little ragtag doll named Pandy all wadded up in these sheets. And they found Pandy. That's what Jesus did for us. He came to earth to seek us. We are beat up. We're beat about. And we feel like a nobody. We have all of these issues. We have all these struggles. And Jesus came seeking us. God seeks you. Zacchaeus had to feel like God seeks me. But notice something else about that passage. It says, what did it say? God came to seek and what? And save who? The lost. Not only does God seek us, God saves me. Now let me say something to you, and I may say this again in a minute. You're not here by mistake. We get up and we think we make a decision whether we're going to come to church or not. But God seek, sought you out. Knows who you are. And knows what's going on in your life. And He placed you here to hear the gospel. You're not here by mistake. God is drawing you. It says that God, you know, Zacchaeus had to think about that God saves me. He talks about the verse before. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. Listen, that is in present tense in the Greek. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Salvation in Scripture is always in present tense. We say we got saved so-and-so date. Yes, you may have got saved at so-and-so date. But Jesus is still saving you, transforming you today. It's in present tense. He saves me. It's never in past tense. Listen. You're, we have problems today. Your greatest problem is not your health. I, I, I don't, maybe you don't know it. I, I don't, I've had health problems. They ended up in the ER recently with chest pain. They still don't, they, they, they can't figure out what it is. Something about meanness coming out, they said, but that's, Joel, don't be shaking your head or saying amen there. <laughs> it, your greatest problem is not finances. You ever had a finance problem? That's stress. Your, your greatest problem is not your marriage. 
Your, your greatest problem is not the death of a loved one even though that hurts. Your, your greatest problem is not the greatest crisis in your life. The greatest problem you have is a thing that is called sin and you cannot do anything about it yourself. You have to have Jesus and you cannot save yourself so you need a Savior. And Zacchaeus is told today salvation has come to this house. Salvation comes to where you are. You are not here by accident. Salvation comes to you. And it came to Zacchaeus that day. Why is it not an accident today? Why is it in present tense? Because the Savior is just as present here as He was under that sycamore tree. Thank you. Whoever said amen over there. Zacchaeus must have been a wee little man. He may have been wee, a wee little man morally. But his sin was nothing for Jesus to forgive. He may have felt like a nobody. And he felt like he accomplished a lot in his life, but he didn't really accomplish anything without Jesus. Now, that made me, that made me begin to think about the entire text. And it made me think about those of us who know Jesus as Savior. By the way, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, if you're convicted about your sin today, today is the day to get it right. Now, I'll tell you this. God is the God of second chance, but He doesn't have to be, and this may be your second chance. But, but i, I got to think about the entire text. What about those of us who know Jesus as Savior? You, you know, it speaks to us that God sees us. God knows who we are. God loves us. God wants us. And, and it speaks to heart. But if you put the entire text together, how does it speak to us as the members of the body of Christ? How does it speak to us to do what Jesus would have us to do? I believe this, that Zacchaeus, if you notice, what did he do? He, take, he took his money and gave it away, and he gave fourfold to those that he cheated. Why did he do that? It's because God calls us. And many of us know Jesus. But we don't listen to the call of God. And we're not doing the things God would have us to do. And it's easy to get sidetracked. There's so many distractions today. There's so much going on in the world today. That we can get sidetracked. God, How does God call you? First of all, personally. What did he say to Zacchaeus? He said, Zacchaeus, step in the tree. I'm going to take Peter with me and go here. No. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Personally, he used his name. And God will use your name. And he personally calls you. And he personally calls you to do something for him. God speaks personally. Let me tell you something about when God calls. Listen very closely. You never, 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 never know where the journey is going to carry you. I was not going to be a preacher. I was going to be a chicken farmer. Y'all laugh, but that's true. Two things happened. First of all, I married the wrong woman. She's too prissy for that. Robert's shaking his head. 
I told her one day, I said, all you have to do is go around and pick up dead chicken. I'm not picking up no dead chicken. But secondly, God called me as clear as day. This little timid country boy that didn't like to talk in front of people. You never know where to turn. Listen. Probably in a room this size, God is calling somebody to some type of ministry. Probably in a room this size, God is calling somebody to salvation. Probably in a room in this size, somebody, God is calling somebody to do something in the body of Christ in His church. But God calls you, and it's personal. It's very personal. He calls us. He calls Zacchaeus. But then also it's providential. It's providential. I already said this. You, you, you know, you're here. Look, if you look at this text and look at it good, Jesus went out of his way to go to Jericho because Zacchaeus was there. And Jesus sends his presence to Poplar Springs Baptist Church here because you're here this morning. It's providential. He calls you. He gives you the strength to do what you need to do. He gives you the wisdom and the ability. You don't have to be smart. You just have to follow Jesus. He's not worried about your ability. He's worried about your availability. To do what Jesus. Wherever you are right now, He wants to bless you. Notice, Zacchaeus changed. He didn't change destinies. He cha- excuse me, I messed up. He changed destinies. He didn't change jobs. Why? Because he's going to take Jesus since he was called to that job. And he used his job to give glory to God. How many of us use our job to give glory to God? I just read a book about a preacher who was talking about witnessing. And he talked about he was working in this plant and for a year, he worked by this guy, and he wore the Christian t-shirts and all of this and played the Christian music, but the guy didn't know he was a Christian. The guy got saved, and he asked him, if you believe that, why don't you tell me? If you believe it, why don't you tell somebody about Jesus? Providential. You're here, you're here and God, God sets you up. And then it has a purpose. There's no such thing. Listen, there's no such thing as an insignificant ministry. Your battle matters. If you clean the toilets, you're just as important as Trey. You may even look better than Trey. If you pick up limbs around the church, you're just as important as Kevin. And nobody looks better than Kevin. You're not insignificant at all. And then you have a promise. The Old Testament says it like this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know how many times that is said in one form or the other throughout Scripture? You know how many times? Anybody want to guess? Anybody have a good idea? Steve Finland, you got to guess? 365 times. Anybody smart enough to know how many days are in a year? Anybody know? Yeah, my wife said 365, and you know she's always right. So, 365 days. 
that promise for every day. Listen. How is God dealing with your heart? How is he dealing with your heart? How is he calling you? A little story about a, a pastor. They had, he had a, some visitors on Sunday, so he was going to call uh, these visitors and maybe go over and see them. And uh, A little boy answers the phone, and it's just a little whisper that says, and uh, the pastor says, who is this? And the little boy says, Jimmy. He said, well, Jimmy said, how old are you? He said, this old whisper says, four? He said, well, can I talk to your mom? And said, uh, no, she's busy. He said, well, can I talk to your dad? He said, well, no, he's busy. So the preacher said, are there any other adults in the room? He said, yes, the police is here. Well, he said, can I talk to them? He said, no, they're busy. Well, Jimmy, who else is there? He said, well, a bunch of firemen are here. He said, well, can I talk to one of them? He said, no, they're busy. The preacher said, Jimmy, what are they busy doing? He said, they're all looking for me. <laughs> God is looking. God is seeking. How busy are you? Father, thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for us. And even though we may feel like Zacchaeus today, we, we may feel like a nobody, we may feel nobody sees us. God, you see us. You know who we are. And you love us in spite of who we are. God, there's somebody here this morning that is you're dealing with in a heavy way. God, speak to their heart right now. In the struggles of whatever's going on in their life, let them know God cares. Let them God know God knows. And as we sing together, give them the conviction and courage to do what you'd have them do. Maybe there's somebody that doesn't know you. God, disconvict their hearts. As you extend your invitation, for we ask this in your name. Amen. I have a